Matthew, the second chapter. I'm going to preach some things this morning. You're not going to hear a lot of preachers say. And uh, but I really do feel like I have some direction, a word from God here, especially coming down. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching, but then uh, got something at the end that I feel like God wants somebody to hear. Praise God. So I hope you've come just expecting God to work. Amen. I know sometimes we come to church and in a modern setting, a lot of times people have a different idea what really should happen in church, but God has to give us what we need, not what we want. I heard somebody say here recently, pastors are called to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So, uh, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes, uh, You know, we need to really be able to be faithful children of God and say, okay, God, if I need it, give it to me. Praise the Lord. The first time, Brother Jesse, we missed him in the service this morning. He's going to be with us tonight. He uh, had some prior uh, engagements, but uh, he came in. uh, I don't know how any some of you might take this, but he came in his first Sunday morning service. He said, okay, I got out of bed and came to church this morning. Bring the pain, Pastor. <laughs> Counting on you to bring the pain, he said. Well, we we uh we want we really do have a message of comfort and help to somebody here. But uh some of this might just challenge us a little bit as well. And it's all for God's best in your life. Hallelujah. Matthew two, if you have it, say Amen. Father, thank you so much for what we've already heard and felt in this service this morning. Lord, the the worship of Lord just Feeling your touch in this house is so valuable to us. And Lord, the testimonies of just how good you are to us and the glory that you have shown us, Lord. And we thank you for that. I ask you, please, for your anointing this morning that it would, Lord, just work through this vessel, God. Help me to just stay out of your way, God, and just help us all to hear what you would speak to the church, God, because it's it's your voice we need to hear. We love you. We thank you, God. And and Lord, we pray that you just have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 2, verse 11. I'm sure it's a scripture a lot of us are familiar with, but I wonder how familiar we really are. Matthew 2, 11 says, When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented Unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to take a little time and look at this verse and don't want to take too much time to get away from what I really feel the message of this, uh, this time we are together is. But uh, a lot of just beautiful things happening in the account of Jesus' birth. So amazing to know that God himself would enrobe himself in flesh. Come to the world, not as a celebrity, not as a superstar, but as a child. Amen. And I know a lot of us are very familiar maybe with a lot of the account that the Bible gives us and, and how precious it is to us, but sadly there have been a lot of things uh, uh, about this account that have 
have been taught and sang about that you will not find in the Bible. That have come along through traditions of men and and uh, some of it right here. Uh, maybe you might not think it's so very important, but you know we like to to stay with the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I, I know sometimes the truth is uncomfortable or inconvenient, but Jesus said the truth will make you free. Yeah. And uh, so often we uh, we we want to build a nice, comfortable uh, little. Security blanket around us with some of our traditions and the things that we love so much. And God's got something so much better than whatever we can build around ourselves. I want to talk about these, these wise men the Bible mentions here. That the idea of the three wise men at his birth is just uh, really a misunderstanding and a, and a problem when you just get into the Word of God. Right. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, uh, it, we, we want to recognize again so often. It's amazing to me, and, and I'm not trying to throw stones or make anybody uh, just feel bad, but so often we come to, to, to church and we have a lot of, uh, maybe a lot of knowledge and understanding under our belt already, but so often when we get into the Word of God, I've found people, uh, oh, oh, you know, I love in the Bible where it says this, and you say, hmm, right. you want to show me where that is? Well, I know it's there. I've heard it all my life. Well, I know a song that mentions that. I know a lot of people who say it's happened like that, but can you show it to me in the Bible? Well, I've never really gone looking for it. Well, I want to encourage you to go looking for some things. And as much as I've preached, I've, uh, I've preached for quite a few years. I've been pastoring here right around, give or take, 25 years. And uh, I challenge anybody, please, I, I want you to check it out. Yeah. Look it up for itself. Don't take my word for it. That's right. Amen. The Bible doesn't say that uh, there were, were three men that came. All right. Has, it talks about three gifts. But it doesn't say that one person gave one gift, one another. Right. Right. Uh, some, some of the songs and some of the teachings say they were kings from a foreign land. It doesn't call them kings. It calls them wise men. And when you look up that word wise men, it really is translated magi. Maybe you've heard that term before. And a lot of people say, oh, what a nice term. It really is short for a magician. All right. They were astrologers. Yeah. They, watched, they were probably from Persia or somewhere in the east where they were familiar with a lot of the astrology and a lot of the prophecies from many, many different religions. Right. Let me read to you from one account. The wise men uh, did not come. Well, let me, before I read this, I, want, I don't want to get ahead of myself. You won't find in the words that we read that when they come inquiring of the star, that's in the Bible. Um, that they went and saw the baby in the manger. Do you remember what we read? It says they came into the house where they saw the young child. Amen. And we'll find here in a little bit, if you read how they come and worship him, they, you, you know, you don't worship anybody but God, right? If anybody gets caught worshiping anybody but God, That they're either stopped immediately and rebuked. 
But they come into the house where the young child was. And later on in this chapter, you'll see where uh, in verse 16, they they find out that maybe they got in trouble. They don't want to turn in the baby or the child, rather. I'm sorry. And so they kind of go a different direction. And it says, Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. Listen to this. And in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under. Why? Why two years? According to the time which had diligently inquired of the wise men. They came and said, we saw the star. We're coming to meet this child. And Herod said, you know what? They mocked me. I'm going to kill this child. They're talking about him being a king. I don't want the competition. So he says, go and kill all the the babies that have been born this week. No. He said, kill every child two years old and younger according to the time that they came inquiring, where is this king that was born? So at this time, uh, let me me go back and read the, the phrase I have here. The wise men did not come when Jesus was lying in the manger. They may have come anywhere from a couple weeks to two years later, if you see in Matthew the second chapter, the word wise men used in the Bible is magi, which is referring to the ancient group of astronomers and priests belonging to the Zoroastrian religion in Persia. We also don't know how many wise men there were because there were three gifts. People have traditionally imagined there were three wise men. So nothing particular about this, but as I look at this and have heard so many times about these three wise men. I'm, I don't want to really focus on them, but I want to talk about their gifts for a little while. And can we just talk about three, not wise men, but three wise gifts that were given? Because we read here in our text in verse 11, they presented him with gifts. And I've, I've heard a lot of jokes by people who are skeptics and people who really have very little respect for the word of God. And they'll say, well, you know, what, what kind of shower gift is that really? You know, gold for a, for a, a baby or a young child and, and, and frankincense and myrrh. How, how silly and how foolish, how very appropriate All right. oh, yeah. understanding what they were looking at. And I want to say there's a lot of times we'll see it in the Bible. You also see it in your life if you pay attention. There are going to be people that throughout Jesus' life and even around the church that are right in the middle of it and still don't understand it. Do you remember when Jesus rose from the dead? His disciples were like, I'm giving up. (laughs) Why, Why even bother now? We used to trust that he was the Messiah, but obviously we missed the boat. And the Romans are saying, hey, he said he was going to rise. We better get out there and watch that tomb. Don't let anything happen. They were looking for the resurrection and the disciples weren't. The Romans listened to him more than the disciples did, apparently. There's a lot of times, and that's why it, it is uh, important for us to know what we're talking about. Yes, it's important for us not to, not to play games with the Word of God so it fits our cozy little narratives, you know, that we like. But we have to, because sometimes people are looking in and saying, hey, 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 wait a minute, I, I know what it really says. 
I know a lot of people say, well, pastor, you know, that's your interpretation. You know, your interpretation isn't any more important or any less important than anybody else's. No, no, it's not about interpretation. What you're going to find out more you look in the Word of God is it's less about the interpretation of the Bible, more about the traditions that people like. When you talk to people and say, well, I, I don't see it that way. Well, let's open up the Bible and see how you see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to do that because what they do is churches have kind of built a brand around themselves and made uh, their traditions to be so much more important. And, and it really is, like somebody said to me recently, like modern day Pharisees, because they looked at the word of God and made the commandment of God of none effect, Jesus said, because of their traditions. They'd rather hold on to their traditions than just go ahead and say, okay, if that's what the Bible says, that's God's word. But I want to look at, uh, at these gifts that were so very appropriate. Just take a little bit of time this morning for, for who Jesus was. First, it talks about the gold. Gold is, well, this is so obvious, I guess it's. It's known because of its value. And its value is not only because of its beauty, but because of how precious it is. It's not just a common element. It's not just a a common metal, but it's something that is precious and therefore beautiful in itself. When they brought gold to this young child, Jesus, they were honoring him in a way to say, I'm giving this to you to show you how much more valuable you are to me. Look what it says in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7. I think some of the testimonies here this morning, just again, as usual, just weave so beautifully into the Word of God because until you recognize that Jesus is more valuable than anything else in your life. You say, well, wait a minute. I, I, I find I've got a problem. I've heard people say I've got a problem with that. You're saying he's more important than, than my job, more important than my family. More, but no, I'm telling you that when you put Jesus in his rightful place on the throne of your life, you'll be able to love your family even more than you ever have. See, love's a neat kind of commodity. You don't have to take it all from somebody. You don't get any more love, honey. I'm giving it all to Jesus. Stay away. That's not that's not love. Find out when you give God all the love He's due. It just spills out of you more than you've ever had it. Isn't that right? I know there's some people who have really made it kind of like, oh, they love God so much nobody can stand them. <laughs> they don't care about anybody except Jesus. And you better believe I don't. I love Jesus. I couldn't care about anybody else. That's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about loving Jesus. When you really love him the right way, he just fills you up overflowing with the love. So when you value him, look what it says in Psalm 19. I'm sorry. I just can't help but get excited about it. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. His word will change your life. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. It'll teach you. The statutes of the Lord, they're right, rejoicing the heart. They'll bring you joy and gladness in your life. Anybody find it to be true? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You'll be able to see better. Life 
see your way through dark times in your life because of God's God's law, God's commandment. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Listen now. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. If you look up the word gold in your Bible, it's just, I, I didn't get a count on it, but it's just throughout the word of God. A lot of it is uh, offering to God and building his temple, but so much of it is also idolatrous. You know, having churches just become a, 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 a house of, of, of greed. Yeah. How, how sad is that? Jesus will supply all your needs according to his, your, his riches and glory. God's going to take care of you. But it's not up to ministry to beg and to manipulate, to try to make you give, to make you feel like that's the only way that, that you can be blessed. Hey, I want to tell you, when you just love God, you're going to, you're going to follow him. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other, cling to one and, and forsake the other. And he said you can't serve God and mammon, which is money. You, you, when God becomes so much more valuable in your life, when he is the gold, when he is the value that you, you seek for, you, you reach for him, your life is, is wanting more of him. I, I, I really don't have time to fuss with people about how much they get to church, how much they read the Bible, how much they pray. I just hope you want more of Jesus. I hope you want everything you can get out of him. When you get a taste of it, how good he is, you're going to just continue to be hungry for more of him. Gold was such a precious commodity. It was valuable. It cost them something. It'll cost you something. But you'll get back more than you ever receive, that, that you ever give. You'll receive from God more than you ever give up because when you lay down the rags of unrighteousness and all the folly that you've been seeking after and put him first, he's going to just enrich every part of your life. When they're giving him gold, they're realizing, Lord, you are worth so much more than this. One more scripture before I move on. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 24. Talks about Moses raised in Pharaoh's household, raised around the wealth of royalty. Their tombs, they're still looking at and trying to figure out how in the world they could put something so ornate together and the, the value of that. And says in the chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had the opportunity to really be next in line to be the Pharaoh. All that wealth, all the the adoration. I mean, Pharaoh was worshipped as a god. But it says he chose, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Bible will tell you that sin is pleasurable for a season. There will be a payday. You'd be better off serving God yeah. in the long run for sure sometimes. And he chose 
a harder path, a more difficult path, then because he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. He knew where the value laid. He knew what was more valuable. He could see all of the, the, the palace and all of the gold of the palace, but he knew where the value truly was. And he said, I'd rather be with the slaves in Egypt because they have what is eternally valuable. Jesus talked about that pearl of great price. You find that pearl, you sell everything you have for that one pearl. Why would you sell everything you have to buy that one pearl? Because you know that pearl's worth more than everything you have. Because it was a wise investment. Serving God with all your heart is a wise investment. Back to our text. We talked about the gold. I want to take a little bit of time to talk about frankincense. Frankincense, you see used over and over in the Old Testament as an incense. Leviticus, the second chapter, and throughout this chapter and throughout the Old Testament, you'll find frankincense being used along with offerings unto God. Used to be that, as the Bible puts it, that sweet-smelling savor unto God. It was a worship, it was a, a, a physical really kind of symbol of prayer that would go up before him and bring that beautiful odor into his presence. It was a, something that they would use only for God, that this was part of a, a mixture to, to offer only unto God. And this was, in fact, a very clear reference to this is more than just any young child. This is God with us, Emmanuel. They looked at the scriptures. They looked at the prophecies of the Old Testament. And uh, they had to look around there and say, hey, uh, Herod, you know, Where's the king? What are you talking about? Your scriptures say unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Where's that king? They brought frankincense because it was prophesied that he would be God with us, Emmanuel. He would be the mighty God, the everlasting Father, manifested in the flesh. But you can't, I want to add this that I I just could not get away from. The more you look at the idea of frankincense, it's impossible when you look up what it is, where it's come from, um, to not recognize that it is closely associated not only with that worship, but also with its healing properties. And the more you get to know Jesus, the more you'll recognize you cannot separate him from his healing properties. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Isaiah 53, 5. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and, and with his stripes, we are healed. I've heard it said, I've 
heard it preached to me that if you follow the Gospels and you see Jesus and you just go ahead and pick a page, put your finger down. If he's not healing somebody right there, he just came from healing somebody or he's on his way to heal somebody. Because he is the God that heals us. He is that one that we sang about today. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is God with us, our healer. And he will heal you today. Not only your, your, your sickness and your disease, but, but he will heal your broken heart. He will heal your life that has been so damaged and bruised. He is a God who sees what we have been through and cares. He knows that there's broken lives. He knows. I know there's a lot of times we've got, we forget sometimes, church, this is ministry. This is service, what we're doing here. When broken, hurting lives come into the house, we have a responsibility to introduce them to the one that can heal them and put them back together. The tears that you cry, the hurt that you've experienced, there's a healer in the house. Amen. He knows how to get right down to where you are. He's greater than any of your coping mechanism. He's greater than every crutch. He's greater than anything else. He is a God that heals us. And like the brother said today, you won't be recognizable. He'll take you, take that hurt. He'll do more than put a band-aid on it. He'll bring healing and restoration. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Malachi 4 verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. That's Jesus. I believe in their respect and honor for his divinity. And let me say again, I've heard people recently many times over saying, well, nowhere. A lot of the Muslim community will attack the the gospels of the Bible and say that they were uh, uh, somehow corrupted and they'll say nowhere though in the Bible after they've just said it was corrupted say that Jesus professed to be God well you need to go ahead and open up the word of God and read it for yourself he said before Abraham was I am amen and I believe that when the angels come and the and the 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 shepherds come and the the the, the wise men come and they worship him And nobody says, why would you worship him? He's just a man. No, no. This is God manifested in the flesh. But I believe as they were honoring and respecting his divinity within humanity, they were also saying this, this young child is a healer. And I want to turn, this is my, my last, of course, the last gift, the last wise gift talks about gold it talks about the frankincense and talks about the myrrh and and this is really really the heart of what i feel for somebody here this morning i don't know who needs it the most but god knows that you're here in the church today the word myrrh is is really descriptive word of this 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 herb this spice it's a word that means bitter it's a the same root word of when In the book of Ruth, Naomi, a child of God, comes back to her hometown after she has been widowed and after the famine took her sons. And she's she's now just 
poverty-stricken, destitute, and alone, and she comes back a beggar. And they see her coming, and that's their, that's their friend, that's their family member. They say, oh, Naomi. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. It's the same root word of myrrh, Mara. Same root word Mara in the New Testament is translated Mary. The same root word of bitterness. And you might say, how could that possibly relate to Mary and her faith and her strength? But think about it. Think about this young woman who is given on the surface of the story one of the greatest honors that could ever be given to a woman. Oh, we don't pray to Mary. We don't worship Mary. Amen. The Bible tells us she needed the Holy Ghost in Acts, the second first chapter. She was there seeking the Holy Ghost, just like the rest of them. All the mythology and all the lies about Mary doesn't mean she wasn't a very special woman in the Bible. And it would be a very great dishonor to the word of God not to not to say, wow, look at that life and that 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 example there of faith. Say, wow, that God would choose this virtuous woman that she would. Can I say be an incubator to to bring forth the the, the flesh that God would dwell in? Uh, I think it's a a, a grave error to call her the mother of God, but she was the mother of the the, the humanity, the the body that God dwelt in. And I think that distinction needs to be made. But think about it. In all that honor and that, that amazing thing to, to, to think about that, that now she has to go out in the community as, as an expecting young woman. And they're saying, who, who's the dad? Yeah. What happened, Joseph? Are you the dad? No. Joseph, being a just man, though they were only engaged, goes to put her away privately. But... Yeah doesn't want to bring any more shame on her than she already has. She had a life of shame. When Jesus was an adult, the Pharisees came by, and one of the things they throw in his face is, we weren't born out of out of wedlock like you were. We weren't born out of fornication. Yeah. They knew what they were talking about. Right. Mary was probably somewhere listening to that. She had to carry the what seemed like shame to everybody else was an honor. And sometimes when we're living for God, people say, what are you doing? You, uh, what Have you lost your mind? And you're thinking, I've got the best thing I've ever had in my life. Oh, yeah. It's shame and it's reproach. Sometimes they'll point their fingers. Sometimes they'll laugh at you like they did in Acts the second chapter. But you're laughing all the way with the joy of the Lord in your life. You're honored. But, but that word Mary, Mary comes from the word bitter. It's also an herb that you'll see associated in the Bible with embalming, with death. That they took the corpse of the body of Jesus from the cross and wrapped it with aloes and myrrh. Just want to take a few more minutes here. I know I've said a lot. And, uh, but Isaiah 61, turn with me. Isaiah 61. It says in verse one, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, Jesus stepped into the temple one day in the book of Luke and turned to this passage in scripture. This is the 
place he turned to, and we're going to read it from Isaiah. Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He's talking to those that are humble. Not those that are proud and lifted up, that they could see as the Pharisees, the religious leaders of those days, but those that were hurting, those that were didn't have maybe a whole lot to be proud of. They just kind of slipped into church and found a seat towards the back. But he's saying, you know what? God anointed me to preach good news, good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. We started talking a little bit about this with the frankincense. To proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, to the prisoners. The opening of prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and to the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they, that he might be glorified. Why would they give this little child? Uh, okay, preacher, it makes sense. Gold, okay, I get it. There's value that they were seeing in the prophecies of this, this, uh, this savior, this king. Uh, the frankincense, they're, they're recognizing his, his divinity and the, the power of healing that would be his. But a bitter herb like myrrh, what possibly could that be but offensive and 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 a kind of a a, a, a just a, a a terrible thing to give to the, what are you trying to say i'm trying to say that he was a man of grief he was acquainted with sorrow a man of sorrow rather equated with grief he he had he he understands that the the reality of our experience is not this feel good kind of everybody's just Change your attitude and be happy because that's what Christians do. But sometimes there's sorrow. Sometimes there's bitterness in life. But this Savior would show that through bitterness, not in spite of bitterness, through death, not in spite of death, resurrection would come. Beauty would come. I want to tell somebody here today that the depth of your sorrow, the depth of the pain that you've experienced... God has a plan to bring beauty out of the ashes. That's how God works. Too many of the, the, the well-meaning faith speakers don't realize that, yes, we hold on to faith and believe God, but that doesn't mean we don't go through the fire sometimes with a purpose of refining. Amen. It's not, it's not that something went wrong because you suffer, because you're hurt. God sees that hurt, and he's experienced that hurt. He's experienced the loneliness of abandonment. Because in his darkest hours, his friends went another way. He's experienced what it means to be lied about, and that your reputation has been tarnished. And that people have believed that and already been the judge and the jury and the executioner in your case without even hearing you he knows what that feels like he knows what the spirit of heaviness but he says that there will be given a garment of praise he says that he understands mourning but there will be joy given for that mourning and beauty for the ashes that you can be planted that you can have a place in his kingdom where you have stability where you are, are planted in his family. 
with a, with, with a, a foundation in your life of his love and not in your strength because we all know our strength is so weak. But planted in him where he's holding on to us. God's got great beauty and great blessing that can come out of sorrow. When they gave him that myrrh, they were recognizing that there was, there was sorrow. There was suffering. There was death that was coming. But there will be a resurrection day. Weeping may endure for the night, the Bible says, but joy comes in the morning. Blessed are they that mourn, Jesus came forth and said. He looked at those that were hurting, looked at those that were mourning, looked at those who were broken. And he said, you're blessed because you're going to be comforted. And God's got comfort for you. God's got help for you. You've been beaten down. You've been hurt. You have felt the weight of of hatred in your life, maybe. You've felt felt the rejection and the loneliness of it. But Jesus is a friend to those that have no friends. Jesus is a father to the orphan. And Jesus takes those that have been rejected and brings them into families. I'm telling somebody here today that there is great there don't don't uh, don't give up. God's got something beautiful. God's got something beautiful that will come out of sorrow. God's got something miraculous that comes out of the bitter the bitter taste of the cross that you bear. When Jesus said to take up your cross and follow me, he knew exactly what the weight of a cross was going to be. But he knew that the end of that story was going to be glorious. And God's got something glorious for you. Hold on. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? God knows what you're facing. God knows what you've been through like nobody else. He knows the weight that you carry. He knows the bitterness that you have tasted. And I want to tell somebody here today, not only does he care, but he's got a plan to bring beauty out of the bitterness to bring healing out of the hurt Jesus came into this world not for the righteous but for the sinner Jesus came to the cross not for those that were self-righteous and feeling like they were doing pretty good on their own but he came for those that needed a savior And he's the same today as he was yesterday. And if you talk to him today, if you'll pray and tell him, God, I've done my best, but I know I've failed. I know I've, I've not been everything I should be, God, in you. I'm telling you, he'll reach back to you and he'll forgive you. And he'll cleanse you. And he'll give you a better life than you've ever had. When you just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for who I've been. I'm sorry that I've not valued you. I'm sorry I haven't put you first in my life so many times. Come on, this altar's open if you want to come pray. I want to give you the frankincense. I want to give you the gift of knowing that you're God in my life now. I want to give you the gift of knowing that you're you're my healer now. But, oh, that myrrh is so bitter sometimes, God, I need you. That myrrh can be so bitter sometimes. We're not here to 
joy.
you've done in me. Oh, hallelujah. God, we love you. I pray your healing and your strength would be in this house for each one, Lord, that knows exactly what I'm talking about today, Lord, that they've tasted the myrrh. And God, I pray that you would just give them the hope of, Lord, your beauty and your blessing. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Father, thank you. Thank you for what we've, Lord, just felt in this house today. And God, I pray you take what we've heard and plant it in our hearts. Help us not only to to have hope, but God, to minister that hope to others, to let them see that in you, Lord, there's help, there's healing, there's a purpose, Lord, even in the valley, God. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to shine your light through each one of us. Help us, Lord, to, Lord, just fully trust you, Lord, even when the cross we bear is heavy. We love you so much, God. We pray, Lord, that you just bless each one. Keep us safe on the highways, God. And just, Lord, just continue to work. Bless the service tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. God bless you.